With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created three men to drive the Apollo mission to the moon. Made in Huntsville, Alabama, the big Saturn V is the greatest vehicle made in the history of the world. And now, we will honor our country, its achievements, and all of its heroes, here in the church, the sports church, featuring Christian Horn, with music, entertainment, news, and sports. Well, you know, every now and then, there is a great Super Bowl. Yesterday, we experienced that here in the United States of America. The Super Bowl 58 was lit. It was an event that really gave us a true understanding of why 100 million people tune in each and every year. It's a big show. It gets bigger and bigger every year. And I think because it was in Las Vegas, it gave us what America was about, living in America. I mean, really and truly, America is about transactions and fakeness. Because Vegas is not real. It's not a real thing. I'm Look, can I just have an admission? I've only been to Vegas to stop in my air, air, my Southwest Airline terminal. I have never spent the night in a Vegas hotel. I've never spent a red quarter, if there ever was one, in a Las Vegas casino. I don't know what a slot looks like. I It's just not been my thing. I tend to be that guy who really and truly does not like to give my money away for free. Got TJ in the building. What's up, TJ? Nothing much. Hanging in there, man. What you think, man? Super Bowl? Yeah, it was pretty good. Overtime. Yeah. And you, it's one of those things. And, and we try to do this, TJ. We try to get Bugsy to commit to at least thinking about us. I didn't text she didn't her. Watch it. I okay. I didn't text I, because I was I knew that I wanted to be under her own volition, so I didn't say, "Hey, you watching?" Okay. So does it count for anything if I asked around a little bit about? what happened during it so I'd have something to talk about today. Yeah. Does that count? That's all right. I did that. I know of a few events of the Super Bowl. I don't yeah. watch your thing. I watch that. I was going to watch that, but I, I ended up not having That's okay. We, we can we can have a little clip over here. One of the things is, is I'm getting some good compliments, Bugsy, on the DJ skills as you turn that up a little bit. A little bit more. Yeah. I'm getting some really good compliments. That's why I try to keep it up in the ear. And the transitions, people noticing transitions going to another, it's good stuff. Look, man, for all of you who didn't watch, can I just say this? It's tough being in a room sometimes with people who don't know sports, who don't care, who don't have passion. I look at people sometimes who are over a certain age, 65, 68 or something like that. They've been through so much in life. They buried their parents. Probably some of them buried their children. Part of them, a lot of them have had health issues. And it's it's not good because they don't get excited very easily, right? And for me, I'm still like that old man kid who just thinks I'm 14, 16. 
My mom still says, you're still my little boy. I know it, right, mom? The reality, though, is that's how these guys felt on yesterday. Yesterday, the Super Bowl, you saw a lot of moms and son moments. There was a moment for me that I looked over to the right, see dad, he wasn't there. I just want, I want my dad yesterday. And I started talking to him. I'm like, dad, man, that was a good play right there. I didn't look, I looked around, made sure I was in the room by myself so someone would record me and say, hey, something's crazy. But then I could also hear my granddad's laugh. Ha 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 ha. My granddad, he was, he wasn't a big talker, TJ. But when he laughed, the whole house knew he was laughing and the whole house was smiling. It was a great Super Bowl. The game itself was boring in the first quarter. Those guys were like trying to fill each other out. And I just hate to say it, but I still wish that the Lions were in the Super Bowl. I, I did something there that it didn't, it lacked, the game lacked juice. You know what I mean? There's something about, it's different than the NFL. After watching Michigan win the Super Bowl, and you know the Super Bowl college football, I'm wearing the scarf today just as a reminder <laughs> of how excited I was when they won. And then just as a reminder that the NFL sometimes is just too corporate. You don't have people just insanely crying in the middle of the game. We get Taylor Swift. But you know what? Let me let me just break this down about Taylor Swift. I am not a Swifty. I don't I've never listened to a song that I remember that she did. But you know what I do think? I think she has done the NFL a favor. She was told whoa, new beats in the we got new music coming in. She actually Can I just say this? I'm just gonna true confessions on the radio. I was feeling the whole Taylor vibe. You know what? I really am not a fan of people. And I know sometimes people have different political beliefs or whatever. But when she was up in the booth and she took a whole cup of beer and chugged it. And it's not that she chugged the beer. It's then when she was empty, when it was empty and it was in the air, she slammed the cup down. Like, yeah. I'm like, you know what's so weird? Yeah, he turned up just a little bit. That's cool. That's cool. You know what's weird? You don't even see guys doing that anymore. I have. I can't tell you the last time I saw somebody do that. <sighs> Tracy says he does it, though. She's the most alpha male girl out there. And I'm here for it. I don't care what y'all say. She could be the devil's spawn. I don't know. But she shows the world that it's okay and cool to love her boyfriend. And to be there for him, the excitement that she has, the cheering that she does. You don't even see her as like a music star. You see her as like a football fan. Real genuine, man. You know what I'm saying, bro? I mean, that, that that's what hit me about her was even if this is a big fake and maybe to, to get people. I don't know. There's conspiracy theories out there that her and Kelsey are together to change the whole world. You know, but. Oh, yeah. Turn it up just a little bit. Bugsy's got a banker in there. You know, it, it, to me, Bugsy, you didn't see this, but I really and truly enjoy the non... We're just people watching the Super Bowl. We're not straight, gay, Christian, demon, Republican, Democrat, LGBT. Man, we're just there. We're just people watching the Super Bowl. We're just people watching the Super Bowl. And you know what got me about that? She cheered harder 
But those box seats that she had, I heard, were like $2 million for a box seat, a million for a box seat. I'd be cheering so loud. I, I wouldn't even like hey, it. She, I'd be like, these are good seats. But you know what, though? She had just taken a flight, an express flight from Tokyo the day before. Nonstop, straightaway, luxury. She is a fan, and she's got money. She got money. But she is, NFL will love her for life for what she's done for them. You know, I, I really, I really didn't want to get into that whole talking about Taylor Swift, but I need everyone to know who goes, man, she's just ruining the game. You know what she's really doing? Because we got a lot of guys out here who skateboarders, who soccer fans. She brought everybody to the NFL, to the football platform. You could be an immigrant who just crossed the, the Grunt Rio Grand River and got into the United States, and you're sitting there, you, you're in the Starbucks, and open, hoping that no one can really see that you got dirt on your shoe, and you look up at the screen, and you know that she's special. And you know that she loves whatever she's doing. She's smiling. It's not like a front. You know what I mean? It's not like she's posing. And if she was posing for Kelsey, they don't. They break up. They had the greatest one-year ride ever. I ain't gonna lie to you, man. I'm just really, truly feeling the vibe of Taylor Swift. And I've never listened to one record. But it's all about what she is doing when it comes down to growing the game of football. She's growing the game. She's growing the fan base. Because millions of girls from 14 or 12 to 30, they just want to see her. And they didn't show her the whole time either. They just kind of like eased it in in the second half. I, I think it's wonderful. Now, can we talk about my guy, Joe Biden? Because he was supposed to be there. And I'm. it's time for Joe to go. But I still feel I feel for Joe. It's time for him to get out that office. I know. he's He's got bombs. He's got all types of things, armies, navies under his control. And he just ain't got it. He, I mean, he ain't, he ain't the same old Joe. But I got a soft heart for Joe because I have a soft heart for the old men in the room. I always have. I like to sit amongst the old men in the barbershop, even the guys who got Alzheimer's. I I like to sit amongst them because there's some wisdom. I got some wisdom one time from a guy who had Alzheimer's who I thought was out of it and wasn't, he was just wasn't listening. And he said something that was so brilliant. I, I'll never underestimate the human character again, ever. Well, normally, the President of the United States, he puts himself in a position where he does an interview. He don't want to do any interviews. So he did a commercial. And he did a commercial about the Super Bowl that was really strange. It was called Shrinkflation. However, Shrinkflation is that thing that I proved today before I came in the studio. Shrinkflation is the thing where you buy something and it's the same packaging, but it's less than what it used to be. Like the bag I have is a Snack Club Protein Power Snack Mix. Just peanuts and berries and stuff like that. A month ago, it was full to the top. Now, today, it's halfway to the bottom. And the price is still the same. That's called shrinkflation. Uh, they're doing it with Oreo cookie. Body. The Oreo cookie stacks used to be long. Now, they're they're really, really short. Do you want to know what I've noticed? i not even noticed. I confirmed it, actually. Uh, have you paid attention to your deodorant lately? I've, I did. It's one full ounce, like, I think it's like three ounces lighter than it used to be. I had an old one, and I was like, this is, like, I'm paying twice as much now for half as much. If you pull, yeah, and if you look at the wax itself, the Yeah, hold the it up space, to the light, yeah. But if you look at the space, the like, to take it off, get ready, you know, that space is narrower. 
It used to be a little bit wider. Like, why they are they cutting it in half? They do not need to be cutting down. What the are they doing, okay? man? Because, like, what am I, I just have to buy more, but I mean, do people really want you know me to smell? I mean, I'll go for it, you know. I'm sorry, it's a tight studio up in here now. It just keeps the, if they keep making it smaller and less. You know, I'm like, to what's my some, choice? Yeah, right. You're right. We're gonna have to start ratcheting out up in here. Yeah, we <laughs> we have a communal deodorant. Okay. I, hey, I don't care if it's communal or not. You gonna need it. You need it. So down there, there's there's number three there, there Bugsy, right there. And you see Joe Biden. Let's listen to Joe. Because before we even cut the music on, I, I want y'all to know this. Joe Biden has a message. And this is probably, he's sitting in front of a, a camera. And he's talking into the camera about shrinkflation. I've noticed shrinkflation, I ain't going to lie, and my chips and everything else. I, I mean, I think it's criminal. I think it's wrong, man. And, and you charge the same price and give me half the value. more. Sometimes it's more. Yeah. And they have been actually increasing the price as well. Then they say, well, it's inflation because this is where the prices go up. We got to ch- we gotta charge you more money. And then they charge more money and shrink the amount of product. That needs to be regulated. You can't regulate commerce, but at very least you can put a sticker up here and say, do the shrinkflation. And let me know it's three ounces small. I mean, let's just be truthful. Let's be truth. And they still, don't lie to me. I'm still paying the same amount of money. And you give me half amount of product. Hey, here's old Joe. He may he may mess up a lot of times, but listen in. He's on point on this one. Roll him. It's Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. Well, it's too late now because they got you at the, at the at what they really want. They're not going to put more in it. Hey, you know what I saw yesterday at Target? Actually, it mm. was like new, low, pro- lower price. On it was towels or something, but it was like two dollars cheaper. I was like, "Hey, that never happens." But you never it's know. Like a, it was a permanent price change too. Yeah, but when you go take a bath with that towel, yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, be I gotta, I, so I gotta go get that towel, compare it to my other ones, and be like, "Is this the same towel?" This is a bad. Towels are having experiencing shrinkflation. You think you think Joe's right, TJ? Yeah. You think he's right, right? I think so. Have you noticed that it's your spot? You don't tell them where you work, but do you got? I, I noticed it's your spot. You know, I noticed it's your, your spot. What? I don't get enough Coke like I used to in my cup. The cup size is smaller, and now they have to hit the button. They can't just shh, just no. At McDonald's, they have to hit the button and it, and it fills it up automatically. So if there's a lot of ice in there, it's going to get smaller. These companies have gotten really, really smart. They're not going to lose money. We're just going to lose whatever value that we had before. It's getting harder and harder. Now, I agree with Joe. They're trying to pull a fast one, but let's go back to Joe and his ice cream comment. Joe said that even the ice cream carts, I don't know if he meant carton. I don't know what he meant there. You know, I swear they, don't they take him to like a little stand? I swear they take him to a little ice cream stand. It could all be the it. Time. I think that's what Everywhere he goes, Joe looks for the ice cream stand. 
there's so many pictures of him holding like money. It has his little aviator glasses on. I, I ain't gonna it. lie. It's jo- a great picture. One, exactly. Joe's gonna go down for his aviators and his blackout glass sunglasses that I have on right now. No, I mean that's that's Joe. Joe thinks he's cool and he's got an ice cream in his hand. That's his icon. You know, there are iconic pictures all over the place. It's gonna be Joe, cool glasses with ice cream. I think you should pose like and that. him falling down on that bike that one time. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that picture is classic. You remember that he fell down? I see TJ got your glasses on. You going to mirror shades? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got mirror shades. That's pretty cool. I appreciate Joe going into this shrinkflation moment, and it's kind of appropriate during Super Bowl because everybody was buying chips and and things like that. And the but in the bag, the bags of chips were puffed up and muscled up, and then you open them and let the air out. Like what happened to the chips? Where the chips? We'll be right back. And we will be right back with Christian Horn, Sports Church Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some bad news. Houston police responded to shooting at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church on yesterday. Roll them. In Houston tonight, a peaceful day of prayer. Active shooter out of Central Area Lakewood Church. Turning violent. Around 2 p.m. local time, Houston police say a female shooter entered Lakewood Church, the worshiping home of televangelist pastor Joel Osteen, a mega church that can hold 16,000 people. She was armed with a long rifle and a trench coat with a backpack, accompanied by a small child, approximately four to five years old. Uh, once she entered, uh, at some point she began to fire. All of a sudden, we just heard in the backstage, somewhere around the back out there, uh, a few shots fired. This man says he was waiting for a Spanish service to begin when gunshots rang out. The officer and agent uh, engaged, striking the female. Police say the shooter died at the scene, adding the young child with her was hit and is in critical condition. Investigators say a man was shot in the leg but he's not believed to have been involved. Once um, she went down, um, officers reported back to us that she threatened uh, that she had a bomb. So we searched her vehicle, our bomb squad, um, and also the backpack. No explosives were found, but she was also spraying some type of substance uh, on the ground. Police blocking off the area with many evacuating. And I thought that I maybe could die. After that, I just sent a message to my husband, say that I love him, and to my daddy, say the same. Authorities believe the incident was isolated. Pastor Osteen speaking out late today. We're going to continue to to move forward. And there are forces of evil, but the the forces that are for us, the forces of God, are stronger than that. Tonight, a community of worship shaken. Jesse Kirsch, NBC News. Thanks for watching. Stay updated about. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Houston police uh, responded really quick. That was NBC News. 
And ultimately, I want to go to a live feed. This is uh, Channel 2 in Houston, KPRC, on the scene when this was going on. So ultimately, this is rough news for me because I'll tell you when I get back. Roll them. A lot of high tensions out here right now. A lot of parents are standing out here waiting to reunite with their children. And we just got word from church officials that some of the children that had still been waited to be evacuated out of the church, they will now be moved to Lamar High School. The SWAT team is taking the children over there to Lamar High School right now. So that's where parents can pick their kids up. But I want to bring over Vanessa here. You were inside when this all happened. Can you just explain to our viewers what you heard, what you saw? Yes, I, I was inside with my husband and my and my two kids, and they were on the daycare. So we are still waiting for one of my, my baby. My one was already released, and the other baby, three months old, is inside. Uh, but uh, they said all the kids are, are fine and safe. Uh, but was super bad. Uh, we were sitting almost in front, uh, and wow, we just hear the. You know, someone shooting in the back of the scenario, and everybody start, start moving. A lot of panic, as you can imagine, because, uh, you know, what people do in a church, what people do here when, when we come to, to, you know, pass time with our family, blessing other, uh, each other, and, oh, my gosh, and, you know, we, we don't know what happened inside. We have a friend, he's police officer and was working inside and we we don't have an idea what happened with him. We had trying to communicate with him or or, the, or his family and we don't know what happened. Hopefully everybody is good there. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the fact that you were away from one of your babies, you can't get to them right now. I mean, as a mom, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling so frustrated because, you know, but they, they already communicate with me. We have to go this way, okay? Sorry, it looks like she's being moved. I'm sorry. Well, she, it, we know it's very chaotic scene over here, as you can see. A lot of these people are being told to move out of the way, further away from the church. It's unclear exactly where they want them to go, but we do know again, families are still waiting to reunite with the children. That woman we just heard from, she said that she had one of her children with her. The other one was not in the same place as her, so she's still waiting to reunite with her other child. Definitely a scary situation knowing that gunshots were being heard all around them but you know a lot of these parents are very upset with how this whole thing is being handled about how they're being able to get to their children it's just a really chaotic and fluid situation right now we of course are doing whatever we can to figure out what's going out here on the ground so people can reunite with their loved ones but we do know that some of the children that had been still been inside the church they are now being moved by SWAT team members to Lamar High School so parents can go and that sounds like it was a chaotic scene if you all don't know that church holds about sixteen thousand. uh lakewood church is one of the most famous of the confederacy of evangelical churches uh there are only a few of that monstrous size and joel osteen inherited that church from his dad joel osteen used to be the cameraman at the church he wasn't someone who was biblically trained he was the cameraman and from behind that camera uh, there was a ministry, a Lakewood church shooting. It had, this looks like Bugsy, you've, you've found um, what we've been looking for here. Let's go to Bugsy because KHOU 11 in Houston has just had a press conference that I've been working on all day. Roll them. Good afternoon. I'm Christopher Hassig, commander HPD homicide, 
also leader of our Special Investigations Unit, last name H-A-S-S-I-G. I just want to talk about the investigative steps, uh, where we're at, what we've accomplished so far, and what we're going to be doing moving forward. All right. Uh, please be mindful. We are approximately 24 hours into this investigation. It's very fluid, and the investigators under my Special Investigations Unit have been working around the clock and gathering information this entire time. So Sunday, yesterday, February 11th, at 13.53, at 1.53 p.m., we had an individual pull up in front of Lakewood Church on the west side of the building off of Timmins. She gets out of her white vehicle. She opens the door, pulls out the seven-year-old child out of the back seat, as well as uh, a bag that is with her. She goes... She confronts a security guard who lets her in along the west side of the building. At 13.55, pardon me, 1.55 p.m., she immediately starts firing inside of the hallway on the west side of Lakewood Church. She's in the hall, not in the sanctuary. Multiple rounds are fired by her, at which point uh, Officer Moreno of the Houston Police Department working an approved extra job at the location, as well as TABC agent Herrera, return fire, and the exchange is all there on the west side of the building, in the hallway. Multiple shots are exchanged by all three. She eventually falls to the ground. Seven-year-old child falls to the ground as well from gunfire, one uh, gunshot, wound to the head. Like has been mentioned earlier today, he is in critical condition at this time. And uh, at 14.07, 2.07 p.m., she is pronounced deceased by Houston Fire Department personnel. Other things that we know at this point in regards to the investigation. Our shooter is identified by a driver's license as Genesee Moreno, 36 years old, Hispanic female, there are some discrepancies. We do have reports. She used multiple aliases, including Jeffrey Escalante. So she has utilized both male and female names. But through all of our investigation to this point, talking with individuals, interviews, documents, Houston Police Department reports, she has been identified this entire time as female, she, her, and so uh, we are identifying her as Genesee Moreno, Hispanic female. There were two weapons of hers recovered on the scene, an Anderson Manufacturing AR-15, which was what she utilized to fire at the officers. There was a sticker on the buttstock of the rifle that stated Palestine. A sticker simply stated Palestine on the buttstock. Also within the possession of her, uh, near her, what she brought in, according to video, and she had in a bag, was a 22 caliber rifle by Blue Line Solutions. She had that. She brought that in. She did not fire that weapon. We do have her vehicle. We are in possession of that. We will be processing that and see if there is more evidence. We want to thank our federal and state partners for their assistance 
in helping process the scene. We, uh, we have uncovered some items. We do have some anti-Semitic writings that we have uncovered during this process. But like I said, we are 24 hours into it. It is very uh, new. We are... So it appears as though we have a female who's identifying as a female. He didn't, he didn't want to say it was a female with a long-armed gun who entered the church with a child of about four or seven years old, somewhere in between, and with a trench coat and opened fire. And, of course, it was in the vestibule. It was not inside of the congregation uh, room where the preaching is. And at that time, it is found on that gun a sticker at the butt of the gun, at the stock of the gun, that says Palestine. Palestine. Christian church has been a target of a terrorist attack. Nothing else to say. That is a terrorist attack on a Christian church. New new details have emerged 13 minutes ago on KHOU 11 Houston, Let's listen to the police. It was a tragic scene. It's an ongoing investigation. But I can assure everyone that it is our highest priority to have total transparency. As we stand before you today, you will know what we know as as we learn it. I want to speak to our diverse community. Every place of worship is important to the law enforcement community that stands behind me. Whether it's our churches, our synagogues, our mosques, our temples, we are going to provide you protection. We're increasing security. Won't discuss publicly all provisions, but we're going to continue to make public safety our highest priority. I would also like to emphasize we need to continue to be aware of mental health issues in our community, indications that mental health played a role in an early investigation. want to also ask the public not only to keep victims in their prayers, the suspects in our prayers. There was a lot of pain exhibited yesterday and being felt today. I want you to pray for the first responders, the two gentlemen that neutralized the sun. So I want to stop right there. I've listened to about 11, about four minutes into that. I never heard him say anything about Lakewood Church. Not one time. This is the mayor, I believe, or the head of the police force, but he never mentioned the Christian Lakewood Church or Joel Osteen, not one time. I'm getting really frustrated with people not understanding there is an attack on the Christian faith. And this leader, the assistant DA, he gets up for three minutes rambling about all these things that he's going to do, but I don't see anything one time saying thoughts and prayers to the body of Lakewood Christian Church. He talked about the whataboutism. Oh, we're going to protect all the synagogues and mosques and all that. Protect that thing. Earlier reports. No, earlier reports were that 
Palestine was on a sticker on that gun. And you're trying to do everything you can to tamp this down. This is a terrorist attack. Oh, well, uh, uh, we think mental health issues. You notice how they do that? It's always mental health issues. They have a mental health issue to change that ID that they were talking about earlier. It was a man, a woman, changed ID, frequently had aliases. That sounds like criminal behavior. That, that sounds like criminal behavior. That, can we move past this guy? Because this is a politician dressed up. And we're gonna can we, we wanna take a you wanna take a break now? You wanna take a break right now? Yes. We got two minutes left. We got another minute left. So one of the things I want to be able to be clear before we go into this, I'm just really upset about that first three minutes and not being thoughtful of the prayers that you want to distribute to the people who are impacted right there on the scene. As we look through people hugging babies, kissing babies, crying, he didn't say anything about them. He went straight political and talked about we're going to protect all these other churches equally. No, I don't need equal protection right now. I need you to protect those people in that building, in that congregation, in that Christian faith, because we don't know whether or not this person had uh, had friends who want to come do the same thing. We don't know anything. And he's doing this whataboutism. I'll be right back. And we will be right back with Christian Horn, Sports Church Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we're still reporting on the Lakewood Church shooting, the church pastored by Joel Osteen, the mega evangelical church in Houston, Texas. The officials are sharing what they know about the shooter. Uh, I take the initial right now to say, say to you the initial conversation that they were having uh, was that this was a female, a uh, Hispanic female. Uh, this was a Hispanic female with a long arm gun who had been changing and had multiple aliases, sometime identifying as a man, others as a woman. And in fact, had enough um, calm about herself to walk into a church on a Sunday morning, a really mid afternoon, because there's several services that that church has. Many churches have an early morning, eight o'clock, then they go 10 o'clock. And then at one o'clock, they'll do a Hispanic service. Yeah, like an afternoon service. And that's what was going on here. Whether or not this was a member of the church has not been disclosed. Uh, however, Joel Osteen is one of the uh, most popular churches in the world, popular pastors in the world. And this is one of the first major attacks on the body of Christ in service. Uh, as you know, in t- Tennessee, right up the road from us, an hour and 10 minutes or so, there were there was a trans who decided to shoot up a Christian church school. And ultimately there were many, many deaths. And here we go again. There's information coming out uh, before they start trying to scrub that information that there was a stock barrel on that stock barrel. of The gun was a sticker that says Palestine. Palestine. Why would someone have a long gun? And put a sticker Palestine on it, knowing they were going to a situation where they will be killed. Going, getting out of the car, they knew they were not coming back. So there's the message right there. Now, is someone going to try to scrub that and get that out of the way? Because, you know, 
today the DA wakes up and we hear the assistant DA and he's doing his what about is, oh, we're going to protect all churches. That sounds great. But this is the Christian church and we're taking these hits. Let's listen in to some hot tea of this story straight from straight from the police in Houston on KHOU 11 in Houston. And this is only released 30, 35 minutes ago. I want to get this out before you get home and get to the TV. If you're listening in, please continue to give us uh, your ear as we give you direct details, direct coverage uh, from Houston. Roll them. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I want to first uh, thank uh, all of uh, my colleagues, uh, and that includes all the men and women on the front line. The mayor hit some points of the collaboration and, and the difficulty in, in the scene uh, yesterday, but very proud of, of everybody who uh, showed up and um, we got everything un, under control. Um, I, I want to uh, ask for prayers for a seven-year-old uh, kid who's fighting for his life. Um, and, and questions came up yesterday uh, about him, and I, I think that what we need to do for him is, is pray. Um, he's still in critical condition fighting for his life. The last report I got, the 57-year-old male who was uh, shot has been released. Uh, I want to ask for continued prayers for him and his family um, and all families uh, involved. Uh, the Lakewood family, and, and the mayor spoke on it, but I, I spoke to uh, Pastor Osteen this morning, um, and he would have been here. But his duty, his heart is, is with his congregation right now, trying to start the healing process. And we want to pray for them uh, in our entire community. Uh, but as I said yesterday, I'll say it again. Uh, we go through tragic moments, uh, but we're going to stand up as Houstonians, uh, as, as like we always do with any tragedy. Uh, but we wanted to uh, come here and provide an update on, um, on the incident of yesterday. Uh, and I just want to go over a few things, um, a few individuals who are here. Um, Mayor Whitmire already spoke. Um, I'm speaking, and uh, Chief Pena will speak. Um, uh, the uh, FBI SAC, uh, Douglas Williams, will say a few words. Uh, TABC Director uh, Kevin Lilly will make some remarks. Um, the update on the actual investigation is going to come from our commander of a homicide, uh, Hasek. Um, we're going to follow up in Spanish um, with Commander Hector Garcia. We'll probably just summarize every, everything that uh, everybody's saying up here uh, briefly. Um, and then we'll go to uh, question and answers. Also, I want to acknowledge um, the director of uh, DPS, Gerald Brown, is here. Thank you. And also Harris County uh, Sheriff Ed Gonzalez. And our district attorney, uh, Kim Ogg, is, is here as well. And if I've missed out on somebody, uh, you let me know. But um, a lot of work has been conducted um, and just in, uh, since yesterday, and a lot of things are still going on. We will not be able to answer it, every question. Um, information that we do have, uh, we'll share it with you if we, if we can, but um, uh, let's uh, just take that into consideration. Um, also, want to close out by saying um, it's important, as the mayor said, that our community, and not only religious institutions, all of our communities, we need to hold one another up. And you know what? I don't have time for this conversation about holding other people up or what's going on in the third ward of Houston. I don't, I'm talking about the attack on the Christian church. I'm laser focused on that. 
all I hear from leadership over and again is, oh, yeah, that happened, but we need to, uh, no. The attack on the Christian church is what's happening right here. One of the most famous legendary pastors at Lakewood, his church, and he needs to be there. But Joel Osteen to say, I'm not going to be there because I'm going to be with my people healing. You need to be on microphone, sir. That's horrible for you as the pastor of that church that produces millions on millions, tens of millions each year. He's riding around in airplanes and big houses. And when people get shot in your church and someone is killed, you need to be standing there explaining to the entire city what up, though. What is going on? That's what you need to do. And that's what we expect you to do. I hope that many of you who have been following this case continue to follow the case. And I see at three hours ago, the shooter has been identified. Let's go to that clip at the top right there. They've got a picture up. They're doing better than these guys. Well, we're getting live information hot off the air. It's hot tea now. And this is KHOU where they've identified and this this person who is now deceased for sure because they shot her dead. Let's go ahead and roll them. We start with breaking news. KHOU 11 has just gotten new video from inside Lakewood Church at the moment of yesterday's shooting. Plus, three independent sources telling us that 36-year-old Hennessy Moreno is the armed woman who fired multiple rounds and was then killed by off-duty officers. We've been working around the clock since the news broke yesterday afternoon. And this just in, investigators tell us the child who was shot in all of this sustained critical injuries, and authorities are unsure if he will survive. Good afternoon. I'm Sharon Min Chow. Right now, our team coverage continuing as Ogochi Iloka is in a Conroe neighborhood near a home connected to the shooting. And Victor Hokobo is live outside of Lakewood Church with the newest details. Victor, let's start with you. You've got a longer look at that new video. Yeah, that's right, Sherman. These are some harrowing video we are seeing of the moments when those gunshots first rang out in this first video. The people who took the video are in that main part of the church where the service takes place. You're able to make out the sound of gunshots in the background and see the chaos that ensues. The shots rang out just minutes before the Spanish language service was set to begin at Lakewood. You can hear people in the video saying, calm down, calm down, in an effort to avoid further chaos as people run for cover. We also got another video that shows people running out of the service and police officers running towards the direction of gunfire. Here is that moment. All that chaos caught on video. These are new perspectives we are learning about today, and we're also learning more about the alleged shooter today. Three independent sources confirmed to KHOU's investigative reporter, Jeremy Rogowski, that the idea... I, I want to highlight this. We can back up just a little bit before we, we talk about the shooter. I, I want to highlight what I saw and back up just right, right there. There's a picture of a freeze fan. I remember there was a school shooting a couple years back where the police were running away from the building where the shooter was. It was in Texas also. It was in Texas. 
I see two big black men that look like me from behind. They they sit down and they watch the game. They're not playing no more. Running up stairs. And that's probably one, two, three, four, five, six. I say 20, 20 steps for them, 35 to get up top. Hand on gun. Running to the gunshots. To the most dangerous place to be. That's what he, that's what heroes do right there. They don't know how many people are shooting. They don't know where it's coming from. But they stay instructed to the dude. They put their life on the line for people. They're running to the shooter. And this is what America's all about. When you have sacrifice and people who are willing to give their life for yours. And these are the people who you hate. These are the people who you protest. These are the people who sometimes make mistakes that cost people lives. They do that. But more often, they do this. Roll. All that chaos caught on video. These are new perspectives we are learning about today. And we're also learning more about the alleged shooter today. Three independent sources confirmed to KHOU's investigative reporter Jeremy Rogowski that the identity of the suspect is 36-year-old Hennessy Yvonne Moreno. Moreno also went by Jeffrey Escalante in the past. She has previous arrests for several crimes, including unlawful carrying a weapon. Now, here at Lakewood, just within the last hour, we saw Pastor Joel Austin drive up and arrive and enter Lakewood Church here again just within the last hour. The investigation into the shooting also continues. We're expecting an update from Houston police later this afternoon at 1.30. Meanwhile, another investigation happening in Conroe into a home that is believed to be connected to the shooting. My colleague Ugochi Iloka has been covering that in the overnight hours. Ugochi, what can you tell us? Yeah, Victor, we just got the search warrant for the shooter's home within the last 30 minutes. Now, Houston police say the Lakewood Church shooter stays at, did stay at this home, lived here off a of Gulfstream Drive. A car actually just pulled up here live, as you can see. Uh, after this report, we'll see what we can find out. A woman walking in the house now. Now, it states the search warrant authorities had reason to believe guns, ammunition, and explosive materials were in the house after the shooter made threats of having a bomb at the church. We're going through that search warrant right now. Three independent sources confirmed to KHU 11. The 36-year-old Genesee Moreno, also known as Jeffrey Escaliente, in the past walked inside Lakewood Church on Sunday with a long rifle and started shooting. Federal agents were spotted in this Conroe neighborhood last night searching the house where the shooter stayed. Our cameras were rolling when Moreno's car was towed outside the home just within the last couple of hours. HPD says Moreno was shot and killed by two off-duty officers yesterday and a child as young as five with her was shot in the crossfire along with a man. Back at the scene of the home, one neighbor describes how long this street was blocked off by law enforcement agencies. I think it was for about two hours before I finally was able to come home, which was really scary because my wife was here with our kiddo, but no one was telling me what was going on. Why are there all these police officers here? 
Yeah, as for that child shot, uh, within the last 30 minutes, we did check uh, that child is still in critical condition in the hospital, that young boy still fighting for his life. We also just learned uh, from authorities that that child sustained very severe injuries, and it's unsure, really unclear right now, if that child will survive. So obviously, several people pulling for this child to make it through, um, and we are still working. Several people know the entire country's pulling for that child to make it through. You know, I come in the studio every day hoping to talk about the things that make us laugh and sometimes make us cry. But at the same time, you know, I take faith seriously. When there's attack on believers, it just hits different. When there's attack on anyone sitting in a building, just someone decides to kill everybody. And you don't believe in good and evil? Well, those of you who don't believe in good and evil, please stand up. What else do you need? This is exhibit A. I don't care whether or not you're a Buddhist, Hindu, and if you're a devil worshiper, are you, what are you doing right now? You got your pentagraph out? You celebrating? What, what are you doing? You got your hook'em horns down? Got your satanic verses out there ready to spew? We're going to do get into your circle of power. Are you happy? We live in a sick world. And those of you who just open the borders up and we don't even know, we can't even manage our form of mental conditions where people need help. And people need to cry out for help and depression. Now you're letting millions on millions of people who may need help and we have nothing for them. But once again, a woman who identified as a man at some point, Jeffrey Ascalato, and we have a kid clinging for his life. Who brings a kid with your long gun barrel? What kind of evil is that? Walking into the church with a trench coat, long arm barrel, and a kid holding hands. It's this unbelievable time. And if it weren't for two off-duty officers... And most of them go to church. A lot of them go to church. It it would absolutely have been a lot worse. I know one thing. I know whether it's a country church, a black church, or a white church, especially the black church, the deacons ain't there just to be on the front row. The assistant minister ain't sitting up there just to have a place to sit. You can better believe they armed and stacking just in case you come up in there for times like this. My prayers, not just my thoughts, my deep prayers, my fivefold prayers, my snake rattling, handshaking prayers are for this child and for this community of believers and for all believers. Be right back. the heavens and the earth and then he created three men to drive the Apollo mission to the moon made in Huntsville, Alabama the big Saturn V is the greatest vehicle made in the history of the world and now we will honor our country its achievements 
and all of its heroes here in the church, the sports church featuring Christian porn with music, entertainment, news, and sports. So, yeah, Super Bowl. 58 is in the back. They're already out here talking about the new songs for next year. Like Beyonce dropped two country songs during the Super Bowl yesterday. So Beyonce is already out here, has two country songs, which is a good bit. And she's put herself in position now to do some things outside of pop music. I don't know. You think Grub was there? Grub? Yeah, so... Alabama football had an offensive coordinator, and then they don't have an offensive coordinator as of now. Hawks. He goes to the Seahawks to join the new coach who was used to be at Michigan, yeah. who was at Baltimore last year. And they're now talking about drafting Michael Penix, which is going to be the same link-up they had because Grubb was with Washington Huskies with the board at Alabama before he comes to Alabama. He was at Washington, I'm sorry. So they're going to try to run that back with Michael Penix and the Purple Rain at the Seahawks. So they've got the former off-defensive coordinator from Michigan who went back to the Baltimore Ravens last year. McDonald's his name. McDonald wants Grubb to come to Seattle with him. Now Bama does not have an offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien, the former Offensive corner, coordinator at Alabama last year. Boston College. He takes a job at Ohio State. He cajoles two guys, the snapper, who the infamous long snapper is now at Ohio State from Alabama. He transferred. And instead of him saying, staying in coaching, he decides to get the Boston College job, which is one of the worst jobs in the world, but he's from Boston. So he gets a cup of tea at Ohio State. And then after that, you know, Ryan Day goes all the way back to his New Hampshire roots and picks up the phone and calls Chip Kelly at UCLA. And they've known each other since Ryan Day played football. And Chip Kelly, a head coach with a 34-36 record or something like that, decides to say, oh, well, I'm going to jump ship you guys out of here. He jumps himself into the portal and goes to Ohio State. So everything around Ohio State, they, they've had two offensive coordinators in less than a month. I mean, this is getting bad. Now UCLA doesn't have a coach. This is the reason why you have to support the portal. The reason why the portal needs to be fixed but it can't be getting rid of is look what these coaches do. They are just absolute whores to the money. They don't, they'll tell you one thing in your face and the next day is something different. And that's the reason why we have Portal right now, because coaches can go anywhere they want, when they want. So players should be also able to have that right. That makes sense. Now it makes more sense than ever. So Chip Kelly arrives in Columbus, Ohio. He's now at Ohio State. Ohio State acts like they are just the NBA version of the Lakers and LeBron James. I'm just going to pick up guys here and there and just play everywhere. Doesn't mean that you're going to wear championships, though. It doesn't mean that you're going to win titles. That don't mean that. When you're trying to put together these all-star teams of players, a lot of times it doesn't work out. But it's really difficult right now to think University of Alabama doesn't even have a quarterback. I mean, 
let alone they don't have a quarterback. I think they got quarterback competition. That, that, I just don't get it. Let's go down here to where it says Ryan Grubb ditches Alabama. And I want you to scroll that forward just a little bit. I think they have. That may be it. Just, yeah, all the way to the beginning. Let's do that. Let's listen because you Bama fans are clamoring for information. Let's listen to Spencer McLaughlin. And he's on Locked On SEC every day. And he's focused on Bama and what's going on down there. Let's roll him. Ryan Grubb turned down the offensive coordinator job at Alabama again. And now Kalen DeBoer has got a big problem. You are locked on college football. Your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On College Football. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the biggest stories in the greatest sports on planet Earth. Coaching carousel, realignment, the portal, we've got all that and more. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has the right people for your team faster and for free. They help you find them. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. Kalen DeBoer, UCLA, and SMU and the ACC all coming up on today's show because I think the Mustangs are <clears throat> a fascinating overbet, shall we say, which are up on FanDuel. Maybe my favorite thing ever, but Kalen DeBoer's got a problem. Kalen DeBoer's got a problem, and that's that not only did Ryan Grubb, his offensive coordinator, jump ship as they moved from Seattle down to Tuscaloosa. I guess the move never really got made. Scott Huff, the offensive line coach, who just coached the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line, given to the best unit in the country, helped get Washington the national championship game. Those two coaches, who were key architects in the Huskies' run, key clogs, Cogs, I think is the word I'm looking for there, in Alabama's would-be staff are are now gone. They're off to the NFL. They did a Jeff Halfley, if you will. I don't want to be here. I'd rather be there. I'd rather be an offensive coordinator in the NFL and an offensive line coach in the NFL than be an offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama. For a guy who goes way back, way, way back, with Ryan Grubb, and that's Kalen DeBoer. I mean, you go back to their time at the University of Sioux Falls when they were an NAIA school. They coached together there. They coached together at Fresno State. They coached together at Washington. And Kalen DeBoer's got a problem because this guy has been his play caller for the last couple of years. And Ryan Grubb is really good. He's really good. I'll tell you, I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan, and I love this move. Absolutely love it. Grubb is sharp, really good, creative, clever, innovative, gets his guys the ball in one-on-one situations, trusts his guys to make plays, explosive. They, they can run the ball when they need to. Every- they got two guys missing. I thought it was just one. I thought it was just Grubb. Now the offensive line coach is gone. This is a this is a real – between Jim Harbaugh and Michigan – and Nick Saban at Alabama. There's something going on here. Nick Saban wakes up one day, goes to work, gets him some iced tea and goes in. And after lunch, he comes back to his desk 
And you know what he does? He calls a press conference. I'm done. No warm up. We you're not gonna warm up and tell us this. You're not gonna give us a week. You're gonna give us two weeks or three days. I'm done. He does not care about Alabama football. He's golfing. I'm done. And guess what? You don't get to keep my coaches. I'm not gonna try to keep players. You have to build your own legacy. Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is stealing every single coach and bringing them to San Diego. And you know what he's saying? You don't get to build my legacy, Sharon Moore. You're going to have to get your own coaches and get to keep your own players. They don't want the guy after them to be successful. They want them to be successful, but they don't want them to be as good as they were. That's just my supposition about Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban. Nick Saban is basically saying, if you're going to be go great, you're going to have to be great again because I'm not helping you. It's so weird. You think there'll be a peaceful transition. But there are no incentives for these coaches to stay. And I, this is the reason why you have to be about the the, 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 the brand and not the coach. When people trans, complain about the transfer portal, this is why. Coaches can go and do whatever they want to do and go wherever they want to go. It's horrible. And coaches are making all these decisions. I mean, at the Super Bowl. Did y'all watch Super Bowl? Nah. A little bit. My point is, is that did you see the overtime, right, TJ? I did. So in overtime in the Super Bowl and the playoffs, it works a little bit different than normal. Both of y'all get the ball, and you can have two quarters. But this guy in the Super Bowl, and if you look down there uh, right underneath that one, two spots underneath, yeah, that guy. If you want to listen to this, this, the crazy part is, is that there are reports out here that the players didn't know the rules, Bugsy. They didn't know the overtime. Here's what overtime means, Bugsy. You play four quarters. If it's a tie after four quarters, you go into overtime. And so the rules are now that both teams get a shot at scoring. If you score, I still get one possession to score. Okay? There are rules out there saying that the players didn't know what the rules are. And maybe, maybe, since these coaches want to take all these jobs, go everywhere, know the rules. Know the doggone rules. Now they're saying that the coach of the San Francisco 49ers, it cost them the Super Bowl because he basically decided to keep the ball. And you don't give the ball to Mahomes. You don't. The reality is, is that they're saying that Kyle Shanahan may have made a mistake. This is the Super Bowl. You don't make mistakes from the coaching perspective. Coaches don't get any penalty. Players do. They get fired, and they have to go home. They get cut, and they have to go home. Coaches make mistakes? Oh, well. he get, There's a 1,000 jobs for a coach to have. There's 32 NFL teams. I got it. But there's about 100 college football teams. They're going to hire you sometime. So it doesn't hurt as much. Let's listen to Get Up and ESPN talk about Kyle Shanahan's mistake last night in the Super Bowl. Roll them. Last night was the first night in NFL history with the new overtime rules that were put in place essentially after the legendary Mahomes-Allen game. 
There are a lot of people critical or at minimum questioning Kyle Shanahan's decision to take the football first when the 49ers won the coin toss in overtime. What do they say? Yeah, major component in why they lose the football game. Going into overtime, we were in the booth and I said, no way that you take the ball first. You want, you want to give Kansas City the ball and make sure because what happens is you give the other team another down. Right when they took it, I said, you're giving Mahomes four downs. That you have no shot. You know, yeah, I don't care how tired the defense is because I've heard people say, well, the defense was gassed. Figure out a way to go out there for one more potential stop. And the worst case scenario is Patrick drives them down the field. You get the ball back and then you still have control of the game. You can still at some point, if you want, go for two. So um, mistake by Kyle Shannon and the 49ers. You've done an, a great number of college games for us. There's a similarity, right? In college overtime, teams always want to go second sure. with the ball because you know exactly what you need. You control the game. And, and that's what the 49ers didn't get to. You think they got that wrong last night? Yeah, I agree because you got them to fourth down. And so if they had the ball first, you get them to fourth down, they kick. Right. Either they kick the, they punt back there or they kick the field goal down inside. Then you get the ball with a chance to win. And I think a key point to what Dan said was you also still have control. You can go for two right. if you go down and score. So at the moment, I didn't hate it. Kyle Shanahan seemed to have good rationale for it. Like it's right. not, a, it's not the reason why they lost, yeah. but it is those little edges that you give up. It is a reason yeah. why I they would have lost. never given Patrick Mahomes four downs. And Andy Reid, that's what you do. Right. When you take it first, you give Mahomes four downs. To your point, they had it. Yeah, I think when you when you hear why he did what he did, again, it made sense. I, I was the same way when they first did Where it. Where do you I say why? Shot. So let's play it. Let's yeah. play it. So, so you, you're going to hear first Chris Jones, who was on Kansas City side, who was yeah. surprised. So roll that back 15 seconds. So, TJ, in this scenario, basically what they did was they took the ball first. That was, and they drove it, but you don't take the ball first. Because what happens in overtime, if the other team takes the ball first, then you know what your possession is, you know where the ball is going to be, they have to punt. You know what I mean? You, you have information. If you take the ball first, then they got information on you. Unless you just score a touchdown in the first play. So the whole goal, this, to me, where this all went south, I don't mean Alabama deep fried south, but it went south. Guys are tired. See, that's the problem with overtime. You just got through playing Super Bowl 58, all four quarters. Now it's overtime, and you're tired. Now it's who's going to be able to survive this horrific event called overtime. And San Francisco had lost their linebacker. (laughs) True story, in the middle of the game, third quarter, most people get hurt on the field, right? How about their all-pro NFL linebacker gets hurt celebrating on the sideline? I saw that. How do you get hurt celebrate? He runs out on the field to celebrate, and he blows out his Achilles heel. He's like the best linebacker in the NFL. He goes down. It is so embarrassing to get hurt. I got hurt against Ohio State. Never forget it. Like a shotgun hit my knee. Bam. I went down in style, though. I got carted off his style. Thumbs up. They're spitting at me, jeering at me. This guy gets hurt on the sideline celebrating. Did you see that? And that was a big factor in overtime why, you know, you want your defense on the field, but you don't have that much, you know, much room for error. So you, you need to get the game over with. Let's continue to listen to the guys that get up on ESPN, and they're going to talk about what they saw in real time or what's happening in real time that this coach 
Shanahan made a mistake that may have cost him the Super Bowl. Roll him. For downs, to your point, they had it. Yeah, I think when you when you hear why he did what he did, again, it made sense. I, I was the same way when they first did Where it. Where did he I say why? Shocked. So let's play it. Let, yeah. Let's play it. So, so you, you're going to hear first Chris Jones, who was on Kansas City side, who was yeah. surprised that the Niners took the ball, and then you will hear Kyle Shanahan's reasoning. Go ahead. They're crazy. They're crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because the overtime rules has changed. That's just something we talked about with, you know, that none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked to those guys, and we decided to be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, if both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least to a field goal, and if, if we did, then we thought it was in our hands after that. Yeah, you may have thought that's a problem. They went to analytics. Did you hear what he said? Bugsy, what that means is they have a group of coaches, two or three coaches. All they do is run the analytics. All they do is run in the numbers, like their human computer. And they depended on, they said, well, the analytics is telling us this. The, the AI is telling us to do this. You know, sometimes you don't need that kind of technology. Sometimes you need what's called your own coaching because they're, they're trying to get you to coach. But they listen to the computer, basically. And as you see him nodding his head, going like this, shaking his head, going, uh-uh-uh. Cost them the Super Bowl 58. We'll be back. And we will be right back with Christian Horn, Sports Church Radio. All right, so we're going after this conversation piece about the analytics of this this game. And one of the things that concerned me and still concerns me is often when we get out of a game, we go to a press conference. The coach comes out. He says, I went to the guys to trust the analytics, and we thought, that it would be the right time. We want to get three possessions is what he said. And then he says, this is the right time. And the analytics came back. I'm sitting here thinking, and I said on the way out, he's lying. And and, and to be, be fair, let's just, let's just be honest here. When you saw that, what did you think? I thought, what are you doing? First of all, and then people, you you could tell that when the decision was made, I mean, I had serious doubts that they understood the rules. It reminds me. I don't me think of, they understood the rules. Remember Donovan McNabb when uh, he was in a, a regular season game or, or a playoff? That I was a playoff remember. game. Yeah, he didn't know the rules back then. Now that rule, those rules were different than what we have now. But because of Kansas City beating Buffalo. Two seasons ago, they changed it. Uh, they changed it, and here's the thing: there are no analytics. You know why? 
This was the very first postseason game, not just Super Bowl. Overtime. Very first postseason game that went to overtime. That's correct. There's no analytics, period. If you're looking at analytics, there's none that tell you. Look at college football. Have you ever seen any that tells you if you get the the coin toss, you take you you want to be on offense first? It doesn't happen. You know, it's interesting about what you just said, and it's accurate about what you just said. To have analytics, there's a couple things that must happen. I don't care if it's football. I don't care if it's putting a man on the moon Life. or hitting a missile. Life. Life. <laughs> yeah. You have to have data sets yep. over time so that you can track patterns. And what you just said was there was no pattern, no data, because this is the very first time. And you can't model it after normal overtime. So when he said that, I'm like, that can't be true. Now, unless, Johnny, ballpark Frank's here, unless they didn't know the rule and they modeled it after the normal overtime rule. And if they did that. That's what they did. I guarantee you. You know, here's the thing. People don't understand. As far as the press conferences after a Super Bowl, there's probably it's the longest window before players or coaches talk to the media. Because they have to do the celebrations and everything else. It's not like they're immediately going into their interview sessions. Correct. There is a long cooling Correct. off period. Correct. Oh, yes. Uh, on purpose, by the way. On purpose. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, I think that the, the individual who's making the big money as the head coach, you know, being like asked, why would you do something like that? I think this was a convenient answer. Somebody gave him a convenient answer Man. to throw out there. If that happened, and I think I think that's what happened. I think it did. There's too. going to be some repercussions. Well, here and here's the sad part, and, and and this is the difference. I know earlier in the game, the first half, people were so critical, and I know it was political, but people were so critical when Travis Kelsey got in the face of Andy Reid. First of all, do you know their relationship? I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm friends with, like, Mike Garrett, who's on my show, former Heisman Trophy winner, scored the very first touchdown in a Super Bowl by Heisman winner, who uh, led the Chiefs to a mm-hmm. victory over Minnesota mm-hmm. in 1970. That's all time. Is, this is Travis Kelsey's relationship with Andy Reid. Andy Reid wants that intensity. He wants that passion. And, you know, if Kyle Shanahan had had that type of individual on his team, that person would have got up in his face and said, "What are you doing?" And you know, you need to take, you need take to ownership. kick off. Yeah, we'll see what Kansas City does. That's we'll, right. We'll know whether or not we need to kick a field goal or score a touchdown. Yeah, that's the most important part right there at the end. We, and I said that you play you know, football at a big time level. Oh yeah, I mean the reality is. I also play Tecmo Bowl. I also play. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other part, too. The I other also part. I play Ball 2K, and I play video games. If we're playing video games, you don't do that. Well, here's the thing, too. It makes me really mad. They allowed that story to play out. With all those cameras, they didn't get on camera the fact that Travis Kelsey, a few minutes later, apologized and gave Coach Reed a big hug. Well, they you, failed to tell you about that part of the story. Well, I'm going to tell you how this how this really goes. And you're right. They didn't show that part because it wasn't great TV. I think in that moment, the NFL was embarrassed, didn't know what to do. Because they're trying to craft this image of Kelsey and Taylor Swift as Mr. and Mrs. America. And they didn't want him to see like he was a head case, like he had anger management problems over there acting like the Hulk. How does this really work? I can remember, and you you have as well, you can take – Bobby Bowden actually was – 
the the best test case. I remember in Ann Arbor, and I was a youngster. That was my first year, I think it was. We were playing Florida State in Ann Arbor, and I never forget. What, what was the outcome of that game, by the way? The, Florida State won that game. Fake they it. won. I just had to throw that, that in there. Yeah, yeah, throw that in there. <laughs> and I got a chance to meet Deion Sanders, who was on that team. Right. And that was a great team. But I remember Deion getting into it with the coach on the sideline. I'll never forget that. It was a shouting match because we were burning. Deion was getting burned, not with just the deep stuff, but he was getting burned with curls quick slants, and then a post. And basically he was saying, you all are putting me out here by myself. I can't right. cover two times. It got heated. I have seen Desmond Howard get heated, not with, with Bo, because Bo, you know, you push Bo, he's going to punch you. I saw it with um, the bear. I mean, you don't push the bear. No. You don't poke well, the bear. Well, the bear, the reason he got his name, because he wrestled a real bear. There you go. So That's how he got his name. Here, in a new day, Coaches have more – I mean, players – and you're seeing with all this player movement all this stuff. What's starting to happen, players are having more say, not only in the locker room, not only in practice, but those superstar players, they have an equitable role because their coach is on the field. They they are so smart. And I kept thinking the whole time, why are they not throwing the ball to Kelsey? Right. And and, and he was thinking the same thing. With well, the advanced. biggest thing was on that particular play that the turnover, the fumble, his backup Made did him. not play out the assignment. And he it, let up, allowed his running back to get hit, fumble, lost opportunity there for Kansas City. But go back to what you said. Why didn't a player go up to sh- sh- uh, This is the weird part. Because they didn't know the rules because they, they the never rules. discussed it. Think about this. It reminds me of, remember back in the first decade of our this new century, remember when Indianapolis, it started raining, Indianapolis beat Chicago. I remember. And, and Rex Grossman had not prepared for wet conditions. What did we learn after that game? We learned that Peyton Manning, as just a typical thing of getting ready for any type of situation, would put the footballs in a big can of water, That's what he take did, them out, and, throw and them play around. with wet footballs. Yep, throw them around. Hey, they did you that. prepare for everything. You put, you prepare that's for why it. Kansas City is where they are, and that's why. Shanahan. Remember what was Kyle Shanahan? What was he doing as far as Atlanta? Remember that game when they were up twenty-eight to three late in the third quarter against New England? He was calling the offensive plays in that game. He was calling it like they were only up by a field goal or whatever so instead weird. of working it's the long clock. Game. So he been play- He should have been playing the long game. Hey, by the, the way, clock. go back into the Travis Kelsey situation. Another thing that really has irked me on social media is you know all this hatred for Travis Kelsey, and he owes you know he should apologize to my kids. My kids had to witness this. No. And these are Alabama fans. I'm thinking, I saw that. does this mean that Nick Saban has to apologize to your kids too? Because of How many times going, did you see that? You know, going for, like, like a madman on the sidelines? How many times? Give me how many, a break. How many times? Do you remember? <clears throat> Speaking of that, I'll never forget this. Cause I remember I was sitting there watching the game going, man, if he would have done me like that, I would have went straight to the locker room. Do you remember when he treated the head football coach, Lane Kiffin? Right. Do you remember how when he, he was the offensive coordinator? Do you remember that? Yeah, very much and so. And I will never ever, because I, I was watching the game, I was like, he's treating him like he's a three-year. And I've seen coaches. I played for him the worst of all time. Right. I mean, I played for the worst. Schimbecker was a, a yeller, screamer. You know, I got thrown out of so many practices, I couldn't even count. 
and he'll come back and put his arm around and say, hey, that's our relationship. And see, that's, that's the football. relationship. And that is that's football. football. That's, that's, that's you it. know, during that three to four hours, you know, what you see on the sideline, what you experience on the sideline, whatever conversations, whether whatever level you're hearing, people cannot compare football in that intensity where every play is like a train right. wreck. You can't compare that to your nine to five job. What if that? Well, here's the thing. You know, it's like, you know, you know, an employee can't yell at their boss like that. Yeah. Well, in your workplace, That's right. can a coach yell at a player that way? Absolutely. I mean, or an employee rather? No, you can't. You know, it's so interesting you say that because I think we in this industry, I find there's very few on microphone who really talk about the difference and really can can really distill the difference between what you do every day and what they do every day. Right. And I, I think we I think they're looking at it like a movie or theater, but and I'm gonna tell you my problem with this whole there's too many prop bets and stuff like that going oh, on. Man. Now, Kelsey's out here playing the game. And inside of him, being a now a three-time Super Bowl champion, he does it in the back of his mind. He's like, hey, look, something's going on here. Some, something's not right. And he literally pushed, like, Get, hey, do what you're supposed to. You can feel it. It wasn't his anger, but he felt something wasn't right. Like, he didn't have any touches. He had maybe what one or two touches at that point. It was bad, and Coach Reed calls the plays. And he so, called. So here's the thing that people don't understand in that situation. I'm a Jets fan. I understand. Dan Marino. He yep. understands. Yep. There's yep. no guarantee about tomorrow. There's no guarantee Kansas City will be back in the Super Bowl ever None. again. None. I mean, I've waited since the third one as a Jets fan. In fact, when they won theirs, I didn't even know anything about the NFL. I was too young. But here's the, you, you just never know. This could be it. This could be. And so if Travis Kelsey realizing that I may never have this opportunity ever again, you're going to be mad if you only had one targeted play coming your way. Oh, yeah. Because if it wasn't for Travis Kelsey, Kansas City would not have been playing yesterday in that Super Bowl because of the way he has played. Since December. Since December. I'm going to tell you, yesterday, I mean, Saturday I was at a funeral. Got a chance to see my quarterback. Last quarterback, we went. last time I I saw him where we were in a – state championship game my junior year at J.L. Johnson High School we're down in Birmingham and we went on a 12 game we had lost four games on a 12 game roll we get to the championship game coach Parvin decides to come out of his playbook with stuff we had never seen before ever he's over there smoking like a five (laughs) he smoked five packs of cigarettes and like Three minutes pregame. He and before was, anybody denounces that, Coach Bright used to smoke Coach cigarettes on the sidelines he during did. games. During the so game. So just the, the, before you like yeah, before get he, all over uh, Chris's no, high school coach, no, no. Coach Bright used to smoke on the sidelines. Hey, man, he and, and they were good at it, but we started changing the plays on the field. Same thing happened. We go into halftime, we're down three. Oh, no. Come out the second half. We don't care what's coming off that sideline. It's going to be checked with us. And the players, when they get to that end of the game, end of the season, they know. They are no longer just program robots. They know. And this is a little bit where, uh, what's the young man with the black guy who was the assistant uh, play caller for them last year who went to the Washington Commanders? Eric. Eric Biennemi, who threw the ball against Michigan in 91, broke our heart there. That's where he would come in. And he's not there this year. And you could, that's, that's the part that being a head coach and a play caller, just like I worry about in Michigan with Sharon Moore, you got to get a play caller. There's no way you're going to call plays. You got to get you a play caller. 
and especially the in these days, and that's what reminded me of what's going on. We got a minute left. Uh, we're sitting here with Johnny Ballpark, Franks. He's going to go get his computer because I'm going to get out of here early, and he could take the rest of my time in the sports church. I want you all to know that this is the sports church, and uh, this has been the Super Bowl, and this has been a conversation piece that's just not going to stop. Did Shanahan blow Super Bowl 58? We'll be right back. Christian Horn, Sports Church Radio. I will walk these sandy shores. I will run a thousand miles. I will fly above every mountain peak. And I won't be alone. Former Bear Steve Mongo McMichael is one of my heroes. He was on that 85 team. And that 85 Bear team was one of the greatest of all time, right? So on the Super Bowl Sunday, just yesterday, they announced who were going to be uh, receiving their yellow jackets. And that means that you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. And Steve McMichael, poor soul, has ALS. And ALS is a deteriorating, debilitating disease that really eats your muscles up from the inside out. It is one of the most horrific diseases that seems like a lot of athletes are getting. Steve Michael McMichael has that disease, and he's been fighting for three or four years. And he was a hulking, big, huge, big man. And he ends up withering away. Well, I tell you what, they're putting him in the Hall of Fame after all of these years. And he deserved it. It's a, great, it's a, it's a sweet story of a man who has been petitioning for his birthright into the Hall of Fame. And when you're losing your life, you're just trying to find a way to get there by any means necessary. So this is a very special, touching weekend for the McMichael family. And former Bear, you all don't remember the, the, the Chicago shuffle. They don't remember that. I tell you what, open a new tab. We're, we're going we're gonna to give you all a little treat. Do you remember, do you remember Chicago? Uh, Chicago but here, here's what I'm going to give to you. Chicago Bears, 1985 is what you need to search. And the shuffle. And it, this was the, the, a song that they created. And it was a video, the Super Bowl shuffle. And 1985 featured some of the greatest Bears of all time, including McMichael. McMahon was the quarterback. You you had Singletary, who was the, the starting linebacker. Let's go ahead right now and listen to the Chicago Bears shuffle from 1985. It's when a football team became a singing group. And Walter Payton was also in the group as well. And in the video they have on their Chicago Bear uniform. And none of them can dance. 
And there's a guy called the refrigerator. Look at number 72, the fridge. That's what we called him. Let's go ahead and roll. Running the ball is like making more mans. We had the goal since training camp to give Chicago a Super Bowl champ. And we're not doing this because we're greedy. The Bears are doing it to feed the needy. We didn't come here to look for trouble. We just come here to do the Super Bowl shop. This is Petey Willis, and I'm world class. I like running, but I love to get the pass. I practice all day and dance all night. I got to get ready for the Sunday fight. Now, I'm as smooth as a chocolate swirl. I dance a little funky, so watch me, girl. There's no one here that doesn't like me. My Super Bowl. Shuffle, we'll set you free. This is really good stuff. I'm Samurai Mike. I stop from cold. Part of the defense, big and bold. I've been jamming for quite a while. Doing what's right and setting the style. Give me a chance, I'll rock you good. Nobody messing in my neighborhood. I didn't come here looking for trouble. I just came to do the Super Bowl Shuffle. We are the best shuffling crew. Shuffling on down. This is the Bears, and this is where they got on a uniform. And McMahon, I think, was a part of this group. But this is fun. They've got them playing bongos. They've got them playing guitar. You've never seen this, have you, TJ? Super Bowl Shuffles. They were that hot, man. Look at them. These were some big guys, man. They were hot. The black guys had jerry curls because that was the thing back then. And to have a football team create their own video, their own music video is just, I think, absolutely cool. Out of that lineage is McMahon. Let's go back and let's listen to the story of former Bear Steve Mango McMahon. Uh, when you get it all topped off and ready to go, uh, we can probably start this show. Roll em. It is an exceptional moment for Bears legend Steve McMichael. The official word that he has made the Hall of Fame is expected tonight. And only on our home of the Bears, an exceptional moment for Elizabeth Matthews with McMichael at his home as his team shared the news. Elizabeth. Yeah, guys, we are still awaiting for the official, official announcement to come out of Vegas. But it seems like after decades of fighting, Steve McMichael is a Hall of Famer. From the defensive line to the Hall of Fame, Steve Mongo McMichael is finally getting his moment. Thursday night brought together friends and old teammates. The fact that it's taken, it's taken this long and he's in the condition that he is, um, it just it just makes it all that much better. McMichael was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, or ALS, in 2021, taking away his ability to walk and talk. So but he can still communicate, and he did just that with us by blinking once here. for yes. Does it feel amazing? <laughs> That's a big yes. You know, Steve is uh, also, I think, uh, tried to be a, a spokesperson for ALS. It's a terrible disease. Ooh. Um, so I give him a lot of credit for that as well. But I think more than anything else, you know, the whole bear community should be very proud. Since his diagnosis, his wife, Misty, has been his voice. She's representing her husband in Vegas. I feel elated. I feel um, vindicated. <laughs> I feel um, just very, very happy for him because it's just his life's dream. McMichael has been nominated every year since he was eligible more than 20 years ago. It's amazing. We've waited a very long time. And I'm just really, really happy that, you know, that he gets to go to Canton. As the second in franchise history in sacks, Mongo has made history and is doing so again now in 2024. What do you think um, he would say? I can't repeat it. 
Now, once recognized, McMichael will become the seventh member of the 1985 Bears to become a Hall of Famer. Live in Homer Glenn, Elizabeth Matthews, Fox 32, Chicago. I mean, let's go back to the Super Bowl shuffle. Because I, I need y'all to understand, this was such great stuff. And we haven't had a team do a rap song since the 85 show. This is the coolest era of football. Let's listen some more to the Super Bowl show. Understood how big this was, man. 1985, big year. Nobody cares anymore because if it's not your era, you don't remember. But I don't care what era it was. It's the creativity of saying, we're just going to get in there. Isn't Matthew a black or white, man? Football guy. A real video. But you know, what else was hot in 1985? I, I, I just... Matter of fact, just type in 1985 top hits right there. Because I'm going to tell you something. McMahon and ALS is horrible. It's horrible. There are some former players even, oh, man, I don't even want to talk about it. Some of the players that played the University of Alabama, played the running back position, you know, it's a tough disease, and it tends to, to really be one that people don't come back from. But 1985 was a great year. USA for Africa, let's do that. So for many of you who may not remember, do you remember having all the stars, just like an all-star team? There was also uh, switching over from sports because the Bears were the Bears, the Bears, but also we had USA for Africa, which featured Lionel Richie. It featured so many great artists. Anita Baker, I think, was in that. Let's go ahead and roll them. When we heed a certain call, when the world must come together as one. Stevie Wonder is on here. Here he is. You don't even know who that is. That's your homework. Tina Turner. We are a part of God's great big family. And the truth, you know, love is all we need. We are the Michael Jackson. We are the Whitney Houston's on right here. So they know that someone cares and their lives will be strong. 
Who is this? That's Bruce Springsteen. And this was to support Africa and donations and stuff. the children i tell you what it's been a kind of a, a somber day you know and it's a good day every day is a good day but when i look across the faces of who made we are the world we're talking about mcmahon mongo mcmahon who is dying of als getting inducted into the hall of fame of the national football league the former bear being able to see the bears do the super bowl shuffle to see those guys so strapping and young and this song, We Are the World, was hot during that time. It was on top of the world. So many of them have passed away. Tina Turner's gone. You know, some of these great voices are gone. There's Ray Charles. I tell you, I'm looking at these. I'm listening, listening to these just like y'all are. And frankly, you see Steve, Stevie Wonder, and you see Bruce Springsteen singing together. You're talking about the greatest of all time. Our world is moving away from excellence. We're moving away from greatness. We've got football coaches and Super Bowls who don't even know the rules. Things that would have never happened 10 years ago. We've got football coaches, Shanahan, talking about analytics. And there's no data to have analytics because it's the first year that you could actually do this thing called overtime into the new rules. Depending on all artificialness is there. If you notice, just like this song, all they need is a microphone and some words. That's it. They're the greats. They're the greats of the greats. And I implore all of you to go back into that treasure trove of the 80s. That's why the, this is like 85, 84, 85. The song was played like Bugsy said. You still played it until the 2000s. USA for Africa, we are the world. I don't know who got the money in Africa. I don't know where that money went to. 
But let me tell you something. To get the best of the best. If you were going to put We Are The World today, I don't even know who the artists of today. I'm talking about the artists who be in their 20s today. Who would they be? <laughs> I mean, really. They've been hip-hopping. I mean, who? I mean, seriously. That was the golden era of music. But it was the golden era of humankind. I really hope and pray that you all continue to enjoy sports, enjoy the Super Bowl, talk about what happened on yesterday. But in your thoughts and in your prayers, in your prayers and in your thoughts, I want you to think about going to church and now being afraid that someone's going to walk in with a gun and shoot you on Sunday morning. We have got to... (laughs) We have got to continue to pray out of this. It's time for our country. Even when we celebrate the Super Bowl, I mean, even before the Super Bowl, we find a way for people to come together. But we've got loose fringe people who need help. And if they need help, say something. Don't let people who are falling through the bricks of life. It's going to be okay. Whatever happened to you, it's going to be all right. You know, and it's God's journey. No matter if people are mean to you, treat you wrongly. Hey, listen, don't take that out on anyone else. Just go before God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because he'll pe- put people in your life. He will. Is that right, TJ? Yes, sir. I got your back, bro. I got your back, man. Thanks for coming on. Yep. So that's it for the day, and we'll be back tomorrow. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital.